welcome to Crossroad Talks. I'm Sonia Orlando, and in this podcast, I share stories about what it feels like to be at a crossroads, choosing the way forward, and how we make meaning of our life stories. And this is episode two. I'm so grateful for the support and the kind words on episode one. And now it has a theme song. Thank you to Frankie Filiomeni for putting together this little tune at the top. I've really enjoyed the process of making this podcast so far, and here I go. I'm doing it again. This time, I'm going to be sharing a friend's story. This came about because I really love interviewing people. And so while episode one was a kind of experiment of writing my own story and figuring out how to record it and share it and all of that. So far, it's been a very different kind of experiment, interviewing someone else, figuring out how to edit and shape their story. So I'm really looking forward to learning more about co-creating this process and hopefully getting better and better at it myself. Just like in episode one, I plan to open each of these with a poem. Sometimes I'll ask my guests to choose a poem that means a lot to them, and other times I'll choose one that I feel connects with their story and who they are. For Alexia, whose story you're going to hear shortly, I knew I had to choose this poem. It's called Come to the Edge by Christopher Logue. Here it is. Come to the edge. We might fall. Come to the edge. It's too high. Come to the edge. And they came, and he pushed, and they flew. When I first heard this poem spoken, despite it being short, it took me on this whole emotional journey. For starters, that feeling of fear and hesitation and tension between the two voices in those first four lines is really familiar. Then comes that line, and he pushed, and it actually had me gasping with a sense of betrayal. But finally, there's that elation with the ending, and they flew. So the reason I chose this poem for Alexia, it was inspired by a moment from earlier this year. I was facing my own uncertainty and stress and hesitation about how to make a change in direction in my life. And she said something so beautiful to me. You'll hear more about it in her story, but she's currently studying psychology. She had just finished her first practical, where she was graded for her interaction with a practice client. And she experienced this emotional high of being in her element and feeling like she was finally in a field where she belongs and she's passionate about. And she sent me this message. And the essence of that message was, take leaps and be scared. It just meant so much to me and really connected with the spirit of this poem. We all deserve a friend who lifts us up like that. On that note, I'm honored to share this conversation I had with Alexia about her crossroad experience. Enjoy.
So the reason I wanted to invite you on to Crossroad Talks, uh, firstly, you've been such a huge supporter of all the creative things that, that I have tried to put forward in the last while. Um, you're a dear friend. And I've seen you grow so much over the past, how long have we known each other? At least three years, I think. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, we met each other at our jobs at a marketing agency. And I've seen you kind of go through this journey of trying to find where you fit in that career path and not finding that groove, not finding that place and you put so much effort and initiative into that job and the support wasn't there and it just totally fell through. You moved on to another job after that, which was just a really tough environment. But now you've come to this place where you've totally stepped into something that I can tell lights you up so much. And mm -hmm. when you talk about it, you have so much energy around it. So I would really love to hear your point of view on that story and how you came to reach this decision about taking a change in direction in your career and going back to school and you know that also came with a relationship change and a change in where you are in the world because while i'm in toronto and we met in toronto you are now in norway <laughs> wild it is. <laughs> so that is kind of the, the scope of what I'd love to talk about today. But I would love for you to, to put it in your words, kind of like, who are you and how did you arrive here today? Yeah, absolutely. No, thank you so much for having me on. I'm, it's such a pleasure. And I feel like we talk about this so often in our own friendship. And it's great to be able to kind of share these, these stories and these lessons that I've been so, you know, uh, lucky to have you alongside me with because we all know how tough they could be a lot of the time. I've always kind of been a person who doesn't really take things as they are. I've always questioned and wondered, you know, even in my own life, but even externally, could this be done better? Could this be done differently? What's missing here? And so I would say that kind of guided me in a lot of the directional changes I made. But with, you know, having had difficulties in my childhood, in my familial relationships and things like that, I feel that that really set up my character to also have the wherewithal to be able to kind of stomach these changes. You know, some were maybe easier to stomach than others, but I feel like when you've been through something tough from a really early age, it actually sets you up with this really beautiful mindset of, hey, I survived that and things have actually improved drastically. I've always been interested in people. I've always been interested in helping people. And it took me a while to kind of figure out in what way I could do that, but also be deeply passionate about it. Because I just have the type of personality where if I'm not incredibly passionate or excited about something, it's really hard for me to do it, which isn't always helpful because sometimes you need to do things that you don't want to do to get you from point A to point B. But at the same time, it got me where I am today. So let's dig into that a little bit more specifically as well, because the way that you were going about in a search for a career where you could help people and support people was more of a human resources path before. 
And then that has turned into going back to school for psychology and getting a chance to work with people directly and even starting your own initiative. So do you want to talk about that a little bit? Yeah, absolutely. So human resources is, you know, a heck of a lot of paperwork, a heck of a lot of rules. It's a lot of legal kind of this is how we do things sort of policies, which are great because they ensure healthy, happy workplaces most of the time. But I, and this might be a reason why we also connect so well, I'm, I'm very much a creative soul. And so it was a very stringent atmosphere to be in. And I just felt suffocated. I was like, I can't see myself being who I want to be and reaching the level of passion that I want to achieve as a human resources professional. But the human component is what pulled me to that field as a potential for me. But I quickly realized I like the counseling piece of it, but it's just too rigid. And I kind of dreaded everything about it. And I started to just do some soul searching, really. Mental health is so interesting. And I remember learning a little bit about it, me and my bachelor's, which was in social psychology, which was amazing because you learn about human interaction and how we impact each other, you know, socially and civically and all of these wonderful things. And then even on a scientific level. And you also know I'm a science nerd. (laughs) So I eventually started to put the pieces together. And I was just thinking, you know, I'm not, I'm not going to be happy unless I try for the mental health road in and of itself, not, not some other form of it, not human resources, not, you know, even recruiting, which I tried as well, which was, which was a rough environment. Very salesy. There was a misalignment for me there. And so I really just had to kind of hit the reset button in a lot of ways. I was mortified, but not even mortified, terrified to go back to school mm-hmm. and to start over. That was so scary for me. I had the whole imposter syndrome deal when I got in and I was like, is this a joke of some kind? It was ridiculous. It was ridiculous because I had done the work and I had put in the time and my passion was there. Yeah. I think imposter syndrome is something that so many people can relate to that feeling of really, I did this me and hoping that everything continues to work out and you can keep rising to the occasion. But I feel like that also comes with such elation when you do and you can keep rising to the occasion. Absolutely. To kind of further that, I would say, and a big part of my life has also been me not wanting to do things how everyone else is doing them or do them just because somebody else thinks it's best. And I carried that in with me into my master's. And it's also how I want to be a good therapist for people when I'm done school and I'm registered. Because we're all different. And yes, we need to know the literature and the science and the the research. But I'm not going to try to fit you into a box of what I think you should be. And in my own life, when I when I kind of derailed myself from that perspective, that was incredibly empowering for me. That was a game changer for me. I can be my own person. I can be my own manifestation and figure it out over time. You know, even the clients that I do have now for Friendly Year, my initiative that I'm working on, I'm so receptive to how different they are. But also, like, what do you want? Like, what do you want to get out of Friendly Year? And what do you want to get out of this coaching? I try to be really receptive to that because that's what I try to do in my own life. 
I think that's amazing. And that resonates with something that is really important to me right now. And is also, you know, at the heart of this podcast, which is living a creative life and creating the type of life you want simply from a place of desire. Like, I want my life to look like this because that's what makes me feel alive. And that Mm -hmm. looks so different for every person. So it's wonderful to hear that you recognize that in your own life and that you're bringing that into this clinical setting where you are honoring that in the person that you're meeting and working with. So Alexia, I don't want to move on before I get a chance to ask you and a chance for you to explain a little bit more what your current initiative is. We touched on it a little bit, but what is Friendly Ear? Yeah, so Friendly Ear is a little service that I've created um, during my master's. And it really came out of the idea that I'm not a therapist yet, but I would definitely argue that we are obviously in a viral pandemic, but we're also in a freaking mental health pandemic. This is something I kind of brought up to you when I was workshopping the idea, but I wanted to do something that would at least be giving people a space to open up and share or maybe even ask for some friendly advice, which is how we came up with the name Friendlier. And so the nuts and bolts of it is you can just use it to like vent, to just talk and have someone listen who does have a bit of a mental health background being about halfway through my master's. And you can just get things off your chest and open up in a safe and respectful space. Or you can also tap into the advice piece and say, you know, what do you kind of hear in this story? What do you think? And because the pandemic, people are either super isolated and haven't seen their loved ones or people for months Mm -hmm. or are having, you know, a hard time kind of figuring out who they want to talk to about certain things. That can be a pretty complex journey. Or everybody's at home in the same house all the time and tensions can be really high. So you can essentially book some time with me And I can coach you a little bit on, you know, certain things maybe that you want to do better or in a more healthy way. Or I can just be that therapeutic listening ear and just be present for what you have to say in a, in a respectful, acknowledging way. It's really as simple as that. Yeah. I love that you started this initiative and I feel like it's something that is so needed right now. So if you're willing to go there, I would love to talk to you a little bit more about what it felt like to feel like you were out of alignment, because I feel like that was a really challenging but important journey that you went on. I'm trying to find the, the way that it was going to fulfill that, that human connection that you were looking for, but ultimately doing that soul searching and kind of going through a dark night to find on the other side of it, that thing that gives you so much light. Are you comfortable kind of talking about the mental health journey as well? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And I think it's for two reasons. One, because I think it's such an, like you said, it's such an important part of my journey, Mm -hmm. but two, also because I know so many of us go through it and we don't really talk about it, but I was so freaking depressed for a long time, like a long, long time, I would say upwards of a year, which when you're depressed, it's like, oh, a year? Yeah. 
a year of being miserable, it's like you can't figure out a single damn thing to make yourself have a decent day because there's this looming presence in the back of your head. Some days it's more fatigue. Some days it's more sadness. Some days it's more being irritated and snapping at the one person you care about, you know? Mm -hmm. And to have been in that space, that low was kind of like a moment of, it can't get worse than this, so it has to get better. But I also have to make it better. So, you know, scraping up the tiny bit of energy I had left to do the soul searching, you know, what's going to work here to, to get me out of this space and into something, again, like the deeply passionate part was, was part of what was going on there and making things harder. So I need to search for that deeply passionate thing because yeah, I was working arguably a great job, making a lot of money at 23, had you know, what society says to be everything, like everything, quote unquote, but I, it's a, depression is a complicated thing. Like some people, like it'll be different for everybody, but I also like it runs in my family. So there can be different manifestations of it for different times and different reasons. Yeah. And part of it, so part of it even extended back into when we were working together. I'm sure you remember that there were days where I would just break down And I would come back up for a little bit, maybe a month or so at that point, and then go back down because I could not find what sustained me. You know, I had the friends and the family, which was wonderful. And I never take that for granted. But for myself, my relationship with myself was lacking something as deep and profound as that sounds. I stand by it like hard because our relationship with ourselves can be swept under the rug so easy. So I knew I had to try something different because one, I didn't feel like me. I felt totally this deteriorated version of myself, not this happy, chatty, intense person that I normally am. So that really brought into my perspective, we've tried a lot of things and they're not working. That's what I thought to myself. And then obviously I sought out mental health services myself, which was wonderful and hugely helpful as well. Because depression is really hard, nearly impossible at the time to conquer on your own. So I did reach out. It helped a ton. And that was kind of at the same time that I had decided I'm going to pursue becoming a therapist. So at first, obviously, starting a master's again is incredibly anxiety provoking you're freaking out. You're like, how do I, I'd been out of school for almost two years, which doesn't sound like a long time, but when you do a bunch of other things for almost two years and you don't write papers and APA and (laughs) do all of those sorts of things, you forget everything. So there was almost like a little bit of me being up against it again, because I was starting this new journey and it was such a big time of transition that it knocked me back down again, even though I'd gone back into a realm that I was really excited about. I was knocked back down kind of over the summer in adjusting to this new journey where I needed to maintain my grades and I really wanted to learn and do really well. And I really kind of reaccessed the mental health services again because I realized, okay, I'm doing what I want to do now, but I need to access these services. And so that really got me back onto track. So you spoke a little bit about feeling the imposter syndrome and coming up against even the practical obstacles of adjusting to or readjusting to school and the demands of school. I'm curious, 
with it being something that was so much more in alignment uh, with who you are and, and what you're passionate about, what helped you get through that obstacle? Did you ever lose sight of the fact that you were headed in the right direction? Or did psychology kind of anchor you to like keep going? That's a great question. I would say I felt a heck of a lot more anchored than I had in a long time. I felt incredibly excited and passionate. Also, partly because of what I said already, kind of about, you know, the interest level, but also because I realized the impact I could make. Another big part of this was in terms of getting me out of the imposter syndrome mindset and the, oh my gosh, am I going to screw this whole thing up mindset? This is going to sound so weird, but literally just thinking to myself, no one knows better than me. And what that means, it's actually something my partner, he has said to me for a long time. And it's not to say like, yes, of course, there are people who know more or better than you. Like there are actual therapists who are done school and people who are, you know, older and more experienced. But the sentiment of that was they all had to figure it out just as much as you, just as much as you are right now. So when I kind of embodied that and was like, you just got to try you just got to put in the effort, put in the time and be committed. You're going to figure it out along the way. So that helped me really snap out of it. Like I would just think to myself, no one knows better than you. Again, not a negative thing, not like a, I know everything. And that's sort. it's more just like a, everyone had to get where they are now. Yeah. How I interpret that, like you said, everybody has been in the same seat that you are in on their way to get where they are. So like the people that you're looking up to have felt just as uncertain, have had to learn the same things that you have to learn in order to get there. It humanizes everyone. Nobody comes into this knowing all the material and knowing all the therapeutic models and everyone has to practice those skills. Yep, absolutely. I think that also really resonates with me in the sense of no one knows better than you in terms of even how you navigate the decisions and, and choices that you make going forward. Mm-hmm. You have all of the, the information inside you of how you feel and what you want and what's driving you and what you can do and feel ready for. And we all need people to give us that, that kind of extra push and encouragement sometimes. Mm-hmm. Um, so I love what your, what your partner said. But Mm -hmm. yeah, sometimes, you know, beyond explanation, beyond checking in with the people around us, you know best what it is that you need to do to take that next step forward. So I just, I think that's a really beautiful sentiment in a couple different interpretations. A lot of the time we kind of look to other people for advice about things, whether it's a relationship or, you know, different things, but no one knows you better than you. So start listening to yourself. Take the time to invest in figuring out what the hell you want in life. There is not one right way of going about things. And nobody knows better than you. And I hope to empower people in this way because this is a very hard journey. But you can probably provide yourself with the advice that you need better than anybody else. But we find reasons to deny ourselves of that. And it's just, 
If I could t- shout one thing from a rooftop, it would be that. <laughs> I'm just picturing what it's like to be in a session with you, which I feel like in our friendship, I'm like, yeah, Alexia's really pushed me and like inspired me and helped me keep going. And we all, we all need that. And we all need people who can like mirror back to us, can't see for ourselves. But I love when it's on your own terms, you know, and it's pushing you towards the thing that ultimately you want in, in your own heart. You know, it goes really, really nicely kind of hand in hand with that whole notion of you, you don't ever accomplish anything alone, yeah. right? That's not to be diminished by, by what I just said. Like, I don't know that I could have gone through what I was going through without you, without my mom, without my dad, without my partner, my brother. But I did kind of take control and I was like, this is what I need to do. So... I feel like this is a good moment to share something that you said to me that inspired the poem that I read at the top. You know, seeing you go through some real lows over the past year, two years, and then seeing how much doing this program lights you up and how much you can just hear it in your voice and see it in your expression when you speak about it, that you are so much more in the right place. And it's still, it's still a journey. You still got some years to go and some experience oh, yeah. to have. But you reached out to me after you did your first practical application, which is working with a practice client. And this is what you wrote to me. You wrote, this was the best. I've honestly never felt this way before. And then you gave me some beautiful inspiration as well. Whatever you want in life, just never give up on it. I don't know everything, but I know how good these changes I've made feel. And I believe in you so much and all you want to achieve, no matter how big or small of a scale, take leaps and be scared. You'll always land on your feet because you have me and your family always supporting you. And that sentiment, take leaps and be scared, You know, this poem that I picked at the top of this episode just gives me that exact same feeling. And I knew I had to choose that poem for you. It's such a beautiful thing that you take leaps, even when you're feeling scared. And the possibility is that you might fly. And we have people who keep us going with encouragement and support. There are times that the the journey can feel very lonely, I think, because Mm -hmm. you really have to make that decision and find that motivation entirely on your own in this very like personal inner space. And so it can feel very scary. But that sentiment that you gave me to take leaps and be scared just speaks volumes to what it is like to step into that unknown and hopefully find the thing that you love so much. I remember sending that to you. I remember sitting upstairs, just having had this practice therapy session and just feeling this totally unique level of connectedness to, to what I was working to do. So be scared and take the leap. And, and before you know it, you'll be at the edge and you'll be flying. When you look to the future, like I said, you have a couple more years of your program and, and some more experience doing practicum and working with people. But what do you see for yourself and what do you hope will happen when you look out a couple years down the line? Yeah. Right now, 
I really want to build a more methodical way of applying my perspective. I'm also just so excited to continue learning from my current clients, but also with the people that I do meet through the rest of the program, how to grow my ability to be flexible with so many different issues, backgrounds, cultures, beliefs, ideas, experiences. I want to grow to be as flexible as I can. In terms of my own growth and development, I, God, it's hard not to get emotional because you know, it wasn't just the depression, it was also panic attacks. Like I was having daily panic attacks. And I really hope that the path that I'm on with, you know, my happiness, my growth as a person continues to be where I am today, which is the happiest I've been in a long freaking time. And I want to continue to learn how to reinforce that. Like I picture a bridge between a version of yourself that you were that scares the hell out of you and a version of yourself that you are potentially now that you love. And I want to keep reinforcing the bridge and adding steel beams and adding supports to make sure that I stay on the side that I want to stay on because the other side is hellish. The other side is being trapped in a place where you can't even be your own freaking person. You're not even Alexia anymore. And it's not to diminish who I was at that time. You know, I was that person for, frankly, a lot of reasons that I just could not control. And a lot of people didn't understand that. A lot of people kind of just said, go to work. Yeah, I don't feel better. The sentiment there was keep doing what you're doing, which to me is like, are you crazy with how I was? No, we needed to, you know, build a new bridge and get us somewhere else. So I want that bridge to be strong and I want it to stay where it is. And I want to help people and work with people in these ways from dipping into my own insight, but also what I'm learning in this wonderful program. I love that metaphor of the bridge. And, you know, I hear your, your will to get yourself out and into a new situation. And I also love hearing this kind of self-care in the sense of reinforcing that bridge. You want to take care of it because you want to keep moving in that direction that feels more connected to the thing that gives you energy and a sense of aliveness. So another piece of this is that you had started your master's you described getting through some of those initial hurdles of being on the upswing of your mental health, getting through and adjusting to school, maybe getting through like the start of that imposter syndrome. And that also coincided with another huge life change, which was moving to Norway. So I just want to ask you what that change felt like to you and what that has meant to you. Yeah. Like you had said, I was definitely, definitely on the upswing of my mental health, improving drastically, being super engaged, super energetic, feeling so much better, accessing the services, having the the clinical support, but then also having, you know, my continuous family support. So things had been a heck of a lot better. I had started my ethics class, so I made it through the first course, Mm -hmm. had a fantastic experience. So academically, things were great. And then my partner, yeah, he had gotten a sweet job offer back home in Norway during a pandemic. So he and I were like, oh, that's amazing. It it was from a place of excitement from the beginning. 
and coincidentally our place that we were renting was going up for sale so if we needed a sign in addition to like the excitedness that was a pretty good one and so he and I looked into like the logistics and kind of what we wanted to do and how we would freaking do it and so everything seemed to be working out logistically like everything would work and I also because I was feeling so much better Something that really gets obliterated for a lot of people when they're depressed is their ability to convey their needs because there's also a lot of guilt. You're indecisive. You don't know what you want. But having been on the upswing, I was able to say to him, which is very important in relationships and it's not always easy, but you have to communicate. You just have to. I was able to say to him, you know, if we do this, these are the things that I need to stay consistent. So I was able to be open and honest in my relationship with my partner about this massive life change for the things that I needed it personally. Things are going to be really busy in your new job. We need time together. Things are going to be really busy because we might be doing some renovating where we're going to live. But I need to see you and we need to have quality time. We're moving in with your family who's wonderful, but we need quality time. And so having that decisiveness back and having that natural confidence that I typically have back allowed me to feel good about moving to Norway in and of myself, but it also allowed me to feel good about moving to Norway with my partner. And it hasn't been easy. It hasn't been some freaking dream boat, like smooth sailing in and of itself in its entirety. Moving right in with your partner's family that you've met once was tough. (laughs) But then also, you know, your relationship with your person, you need to maintain that in this totally new space. So when you're put into this brand new place with this brand new language and brand new people and everything around you is new, there are moments of like, holy shit, you know, like I'm here. This in and of itself is a massive thing. I want to know what are the risks? How could this go? And what do you hope happens? I mean, I could hate it. This is also, you know, an exercise that I've learned to treat anxiety and depression. We call it the downward arrow technique. Literally like, how could everything go to absolute shit in the worst way possible, right? It's like an exposure technique, which is, I'm so glad you asked this because we are so quick to be talked out of things by the risks. But then you immediately, and again, this is like a little bit therapist Alexia. I feel like I was therapist Alexia before I was therapist Alexia, you know? (laughs) You know what I mean? Like, that's just part of who I am. You have to give the what ifs that are good more attention than the what ifs that are bad. I wouldn't just stop trying. In what situation would that happen? You know what I mean? What situation would I all of a sudden hate this beautiful country where people are welcoming and kind and excited to meet you and there's no indication that that's going to happen? We're so, for some reason, inclined to give like the, all the things that could go wrong so much attention. And it's like, well, what if we put that energy towards on what can go right? Yeah. Let's go there then. What helps you keep going? in taking that risk, like you uprooted your life and you moved somewhere else. And and what do you hope happens? What keeps me going is that all you can do is do your best and live by your vision. So all I can do in Norway is try to be the best version of myself and love the people around me and do my best with my clients in front of the air and do my best on my assignments because I'm passionate to learn 
and grow. That's it. You're, you're a person. You're going to screw up. You're going to do something, learn from it and do it another way. And whether it's moving to Norway, okay, you pack your shit and you go back home. You know what, like, you know what I mean? Like, it's so, the margin of error is not necessarily some irreversible disaster. But if you're thinking of, like, moving somewhere else or, like, changing a job or just doing something different, the margin of error is probably, your anxiety is making it seem so much worse than it actually is. So the more I remember that, the more motivated I am. I'm really glad that you touched on, you know, you feel like you were a therapist, Alexia, before you have been becoming therapist, Alexia. Because another question I have for you is, what parts of this process have felt like unbecoming a version of yourself? And what parts of it have felt like becoming who you are? What's weird is that the first thing that comes to my mind is they're interconnected. Because when I feel like I'm unraveling, I'm really angry. And that fire, I have a fiery side to me. That can sometimes turn into anger, which I don't like. It's not who I am. That's something that I'm working on deeply. Is I get like so literally fired up, like just over things. Which is not how I want to convey myself. But what I mean, the interconnectedness piece is that my ability to stand up for myself and my ability to dictate my needs is one, something that, again, I had a really hard time doing. So I feel like myself again when I do it. Two, it's out of respect for my needs. But also three, it's typically never like a big thing. It's a pretty reasonable request or it's a pretty reasonable thing that I'm asking for or wanting to do. It's never like I mean, it's never at the detriment of someone else, but it's also pretty reasonable in terms of like doability. So that makes me feel like me. That piece was gone for so long and I've never felt healthier in that sense. And I also feel when I'm with the people that I care about, whether it's meeting over FaceTime or WhatsApp or whatever video, and we're just honestly chatting, and I'm hearing about what's going well in your life. I love that. That's like my most favorite thing ever is to hear about the people I care about that they're succeeding at something. I'm not talking even about professionally or academically. I'm talking about mental health. I'm talking about self-care. I'm talking about I did something today that I was scared of. That's when I feel like myself. That's when I really feel well-situated. And just being physically present for people, being a good source of energy, if that makes sense. As simple as that. I'm sure we have something to explore deeper there because I know in the first episode, I talked a lot about this fiery feeling that I have as well that comes up around making change. And it can feel like anger. It can feel like frustration. It can feel Mm -hmm. like impatience, just like a willfulness to move forward. So yes, there's a lot of fire coming up so far that will be really interesting to see what that reveals, but I want to reframe the question a little bit. So when you say you feel more like yourself when you do these certain things, I want to kind of tie it back in time. Like what parts of you come to life when you are in this process of becoming more and more yourself and what things are you able to let go of maybe from the past or or 
things that you have experienced maybe in your personality that that have felt less like you gosh it's complex eh? like our personalities it's honestly like exploring the ocean even when it's just yourself for a really long time throughout my life I felt like I was just like inherently flawed I felt there was something wrong with me. It was too much. I was, I was, you know, intense. I was, you know, I talked too much. I, like, I was just difficult. Felt a lot. I thought a lot. And so I had made peace with that, you know. You readdress that when you're an adult. Yeah, it really sounds like taking that time to appreciate yourself, take stock of what it is that you have to offer, even though that can be like a work in progress and something that Mm -hmm. we're always navigating our our relationship to, but that's really helped fortify you through a lot of change. Yeah. And I think everybody should be like this because life is going to just change and change and change. And you need to find something that grounds you, whether it's, you know, addressing something like I did or making a change in your life physically moving, changing a relationship, changing your friendships, you know, all of those sort of like cliche things. But I think what matters at the end of the day is that you give yourself a reason to love yourself, even in the hard times. Yeah. And, you know, using the metaphor of the crossroad, it's going to be you on that whole journey. Like people Mm -hmm. and situations are going to come in and out, but knowing yourself gives you that resilience that makes possibility possible. So for this last question, you have a choice. You can speak to your past self or you can speak to your future self. But what I'd like you to do is leave them a message from this present moment. What do you want them to know? If it's the past about how far you've come and if it's the future, what do you want to remember about this moment that you can look back on? I think I'm going to pick the future self because I've spent a lot of time, I almost just said forgiving my old self, but I did not, I did not do anything that I need to give myself forgiveness for, Mm -hmm. but I've come to terms with my past self. So to future Alexia, I really want to hold with me that anything you want takes grit And there's going to be things along the way that you don't see the utility of that, but that you need to do. But at the time you're like, why do I need to do this? And there will be people, this has also been a big part of my journey. There are, you know, there will be people who give you reasons to doubt yourself and to doubt your inner beauty. Don't ignore it, but don't internalize it. Some people will get it and some people won't. And do not let anyone make you feel bad about the journey that you're on. Because if you're not harming yourself or anybody else, there are no rules. There are no rules. There might be some tough moments in your relationship, you know, in your own life, in school, in whatever realm. But keep going. That's beautiful. And one of my favorite things about you 
is that you you have this fire to you and I've just seen you grow in your self-assuredness. Same time, you're someone who is like continuously challenging yourself and taking in new information, becoming more and more flexible and just being open to always learning. So I also believe in you so much. I know you have the grit to keep going. I can't wait to see you just continue to realize this vision more and more down the road. And thank you for sharing your story with me, like in our friendship, but also being willing to share it in this format too. My pleasure. Damn, I just want everybody who listens to this to feel that they don't have to look outside themselves for everything. Yeah. Put that time and energy into yourself. And that was also a big reason I started from here was, okay, I'm not a therapist yet, but I have to do something. People are suffering. I have to do something. We're in a pandemic. That frustration and that like urgency when I was talking about it with you is what pushed me. And I want people to feel urgency towards giving themselves reasons to be happy in their own minds, in their own bodies, in their own spirits.